fact that people think studying abroad means partying all the time that is so not true uh, it's a lot of hard work it's rigorous work and you need to spend time on your academics as well okay so where are you based out of saloni uh so i'm based out of delhi i work in mumbai mumbai but given the situation i've been in delhi since march so it's been now 6 months that i've been working from home got it got it so you traveled back because of covid is it yeah i traveled back because of covid i think just on the national lockdown day i had my flight so i was going through your linkedin profile it's uh the your world really revolves around mathematics i see that yeah how has it been is it like your bachpan ka pyar or you gradually grew towards it or does it come from the family somewhere what's it like um i don't know if it comes from the family it's just that um, so in school i was involved in this activity called abacus so i think early on my mom used to put me in every possible activity and i would just uh not do well in any of the physical activities be it basketball tennis swimming i've done everything and i think abigus was the last thing she was like this is the last thing i'm putting you into if you do well fine otherwise i think you can just do whatever you want so i think i ended up doing really well there i won national level championships i won state level i got invited for international level also but then at that time i couldn't go so i think that actually started to build up my interest in maths a lot and then I started to work uh, on my maths in school as well so I did well in 10th in maths then 12th maths was also my highest score and that was one um, reason why I got inclined towards economics as well because economics as a subject has a lot of mathematical applicability to it so I think it just kind of uh, happened one by one there was no one force that directed me towards math it just started from abacus and then i kind of had my interest build up in it both because i was getting good scores and because i was enjoying it as well so it was that right but but i i mean i i should pro- bro- broadly probably mention that you might have got an interest in it but then probably your hard work also led towards the success in one sense right i mean it just does not come really naturally or does it no i think i do believe i put in good amount of effort there like even in abacus the way it used to work was we were given 200 questions of uh, addition subtraction multiplication and those we were supposed to complete in 8 minutes wow. so that required some bit of uh, practice from your end as well and even school maths required a lot of practice so effort has to be put in in whatever you want to get into so that's there that's yeah. Un- yeah that really brings out the sense and i should mention here that uh, whenever we really start to apply something from our initial years itself it really you know how the interest really grows and turns out for the better in the future i mean just maths in paper or on paper is not as exciting as abacus probably so yeah i think that really shows the importance of it yeah i mean i think not just that but i think it's very important to like my mom put me in a lot of extra curricular activities and out of everything i enjoyed dance a lot which i still today continue so i think it's very important to figure out your interests from like the starting point of your ages because that's where you 
figure out what you're enjoying and not something what you want to do because you want to build your career into at that time i didn't have any thought of building my career uh in the direction of maths or dance i was just doing it because i enjoy it so that's there yeah so in some think, in, in sort of simple terms do you do you recommend any youngster to really experiment a lot so that they really figure out what the interest is yeah definitely like if you ask me like i have done piano guitar swimming basketball karate like any extracurricular you name it i've done it in my childhood whether as a part of school or as a part of my uh, neighborhood uh, like children's groups so i've taken part in a lot of things and i've like come out of it very quickly as well after losing interest in it so okay. it's fine to experiment i think that's something we forget as we grow up and we start to become very restrictive and very risk averse so it's very important to be you know experiment take risks and try out new things that's very important to take a note of thank you for expressing that uh, uh saloni why don't you tell a little bit about let's say your life before oxford obviously i mean starting from school to college what was the journey like hmm. uh so i think in addition to that i'll also talk about how it changed post oxford because there is a lot of contrast there so uh, like i mentioned i was a lot into maths and academics i was what you would call in the typical sense a nerd i really enjoyed sitting on the couch for like 15 hours and just continue to study i did not like talking to people or you know participating in social events i was a very studious person then i got into srcc a lot of my friends were also of similar kinds who like to study a lot some of them were quite social as well but most of them were like towards the introvert category of what i would call a person is yeah. uh, so that was my personality and i was very academically oriented uh, career wise also like i did not know on the professional front where i wanted my career to go towards mm-hmm. then uh, that was the reason why i chose oxford this particular course as well because it was very uh, academically rigorous in the sense that the course material had some part of phd content as well uh, though i did not have plans to do phd but i think i uh, was quite excited by what the subjects were so that made me take up the course uh, then starting the course i think a lot of the course in addition to being academic it had a lot of practical applications as well and it had so many social events like once a week there were like three social networking events and me being who i was i was extremely uncomfortable with that but i think being there being surrounded by people who are just used to it you have to push yourself into it and i think one one and a half years coming out of it i think i've changed so much i'm comfortable talking to anyone who wants to i'm comfortable to do a video interview what i'm doing right now two years back i possibly wouldn't even do it unrecorded so that's the change which is there so i think just pushing myself into that uncomfortable position has really brought out a different version of me so now i'm not that academic but i think i have the ability to sit down patiently understand and study but at the same time i'm i think decently sociable as well so i feel i've achieved a good balance to begin with so that way oxford has really helped me 
No, I think that that points out a very important irony and a misconception at the same time. For example, for students who are in their class twelve or in their college, of people who think themselves to be extremely introvert and not going uh, outgoing, they think they could never get into a let's say a university like Oxford because the broader sense is that Oxford, with all that hype, you need to be very outgoing and sort of extrovert. But that really brings out the sense that. you can still apply and then challenge and change yourself like you've done so that can be a really good motivation booster to all those people who are looking in that sort of zone totally i think i also had that misconception that i lacked the extracurriculars that would be required of someone applying to such an elite university but i think what they're looking for is peaks in your profile whether you're peaking in one or two aspects or you're just like normal in all aspects so i was peaking in my academics and i think that really helped me because i did not have like extracurriculars but i had uh paper presentations that i had won i had written projects i had worked with my professors so in that way i did show some kind of extracurricular in an academic sense so that i think really helped me but i think there are a lot of diverse kind of people out there and you need to learn from everyone and each of them who are in your class so that's the point of such an international community that you represent who you are and you be a part of that diverse community so they learn from how academic you are and you learn from how uh, social and how good they are at other extracurriculars so it's a mutual learning process well uh, it would you like to shed a little light on your course selection journey after college there might have been a lot of options while when you were planning to study abroad so mm-hmm. how did you really pick this course and who were the agents or let's say the people involved in this particular process uh so i think i had decided that i wanted to do my masters when i was in first year of my undergrad so i had given my gre and i had decided that it had to be somewhere in the field of economics only because that was what my undergrad was in mm-hmm. but second year into my undergrad i had started uh, studying the subject of finance as well as a part of my elective and that was there in third year as well and alongside i was doing my cfa level 1 so a lot of finance concepts also uh, came into my uh, subject of economics so i think that got me a little confused whether i should go into economics or finance because both were mathematically very well uh, aligned. Uh, aligned and both of them were something i quite liked so i decided that my first priority would be something which would have concepts of both economics and finance second would be finance because professionally finance would open much more options than economics would and third option would be economics so that was my priority order in terms of courses i was eyeing uh, oxford's msc financial economics then lse's msc finance and economics and then the other uh, independent finance and economics courses at lse uh, and then there was a course in ucl as well i was mainly looking at uh, london as my first option and second would be us which did not have a lot of masters option because uh, i think us is more into mba and undergrad so i could not find a lot of masters programs for myself uh then i think oxford had the earliest deadline and that was my first priority because apart from having finance and economics as an amalgamation in a course it had this additional extracurricular kind of uh not an activity but like an elective only 
which was uh, the finance lab so it would help you teach uh, it would teach you how to apply the concepts in a real world uh, scenario so it would teach you modeling skills and financial valuation skills so that was the highlight for me uh, while applying uh, so oxford deadline was the first i applied and i got through before the other deadlines uh, were there so i did not apply to the other courses and this was the course that i applied and got through sure. uh, other than that i think i spoke to a lot of professors of mine uh, about what they thought about the course uh, what their opinion was of me applying to this particular course and if they had any additional thoughts on that and i think they shared the same thoughts that uh, economics and finance both open really good options and both are mathematically aligned and the fact that they knew me and how i was inclined towards that direction i think they agreed with my uh, course selection and priority list so that was the process that uh, i took so it was purely organic like it was just you as the primary agent helped by your faculties at in points of time wherever required but then uh, was... yeah so i think it involved a lot of research as well the fact that i had decided to apply for masters in first years gave me a lot of time to research plan and then decide like in the second year itself i was by the end of second year i was decided on my courses whereas people start to think about gre and applying when third year starts so right. i think just being ahead of time really gave me a lot of uh, leeway to think about where i want to apply what courses i want to apply and be sure of them so pre planning really helped and i think that pre planning really comes from the fact that the more you spend time with yourself in the early days of your life let's say school college initial years while the world is or the our age group is busy socializing in one sense if you are really there with yourself trying to understand what you really want to do that helps you plan ahead of time which you have really is that that's so true like people are so engrossed in instagram facebook that they don't spend time with themselves it's right. very important yeah totally agree okay so tell me one thing one thing i'm personally curious about so your college or your course selection or your study abroad selection was primarily driven by your course right and not by the university status mm i or think was course was priority but university was also a consideration like i did want to get into oxford over lse because of oxford being the brand it is <laughs> but again i think it was fortunate that i found the course that i was interested in in the university that i found really uh, appealing so it was i think a good uh, coincidence that way all right so uh, quickly coming to the misconceptions uh, of let's say generally that you faced or you think that your age group faces uh, when they apply abroad any misconceptions that are uh, you you suggest that students students should avoid thinking about and really going for the game i think one would be the fact that people think studying abroad means partying all the time that is so not true uh, it's a lot of hard work it's rigorous work and you need to spend time on your academics as well and i see a lot of people have uh, like they're very scared of getting a job post their international education and that's one reason that keeps them from applying is that there might be visa issues they might not get something the roi might not be good and i kind of agree with all of this but at the same time 
when I went there, I saw that people were much more uh, planned than I was. Like the pre-planning was even more in advance. So even before going, you need to have everything planned to the best of your abilities. That really helps in getting a job there. So that helps. And uh, so I wouldn't say it's really a misconception that getting a job is hard. It is hard. But at the same time, if you put in that effort, you will get something. And again, it's not all partying. You have to put in a lot of effort if you want to get something out of it. And third would be that it's difficult to make friends. I think if I can make friends, anyone can. And a lot of people, uh, what they do is being an Indian, they go out there, not just Indian, like if you're coming from Germany or if you're coming from uh, somewhere else, people tend to make friends with people from their country only, which at the start is quite comfortable because you're familiar with each other, the culture is same and you can connect well. But I think the whole purpose of an international education is to learn from each other, to, you know, uh, absorb all the diversity that is there. So as you go through, once you've made friends from people of your country, I think it's equally important to become friends with people from other countries as well, because they have a completely different culture. You really open up as a person when you become friends with so many different people. So that's also very important. And it's not hard to become friends because as much as you are feeling uncomfortable about their culture, they also think that you are different. So everyone is very accepting there and it's not hard. If you just try and approach someone and say, hi, can we go for a coffee or can we just talk? The other person will be equally happy to you know, spend time with you or talk to you. So it's as simple as that. It's not hard. Right. That sounds very beautiful in one sense. And I, I feel... Uh, when you're talking about this international friendship exposure that you get that really in college is just friendship, but post-college it becomes business relations, networking out of your country and things can become gradually big. So, yeah. I mean, you're going for the network. It's quite important to have that international network and not just network. I think that friendship also is really uh, nice. It's as good as a friendship you make in college if you spend effort to build that friendship so it's good it's nice um, uh, so so while while you were in college with that oxford rigorous curriculum with all that sort of pressures in mind of being away from home how is it i mean is how difficult it is to really maintain a stable relationship with your parents your family back home or let's say how difficult was it to convince your parents or family before you really went overseas so how is that journey like? Um, I think convincing them, uh, for me, it was because I had pre-planned. I, was, I had started to talk them through the fact that I was going to go uh, quite from the beginning. So they were mentally prepared when the time had come. But if someone's parents isn't uh, comfortable about sending their child abroad, I think I would suggest that you talk to them. You make them talk to someone who's already gone and come back. So that would give them the comfort of knowing how the situation there is. Like my mom was very uncomfortable about the fact that we had social networking events and I would come back to my uh, room at sometimes 12 a.m. or 1 a.m. Whereas in India, like she wouldn't be comfortable with me coming back home so late. And I think I just spoke to her, talked to her that this is how things work here. And it's not unsafe. Like, I have friends coming back with me. I have company. And it's just the way things work there. You give 
them instances you just talk them through that's the most effective way uh, i would say right i think being there it is difficult to maintain uh, an everyday uh, connection with your parents but i would say just make an effort in the morning call them when you get up just text them like when you're having lunch have a 5 minute text with them so that i think small 5 minute break give you the leeway to connect with them and i think it's good for both the parties and especially like being there at the start you don't have good friends you don't have family you don't have uh, you're like building your relationships from scratch so it's very important to hold on to what you already have like your old friends your parents your family members it gives you comfort as well when you're talking to them that okay i have my back support there while i'm starting fresh here right right, right. So, uh well a broader comments on the society out there how is it uh, how is oxford in terms of society so for example there is a very clear sort of uh, comparison now that is coming up in india between being wealth driven and status driven so for example if you talk to people here who are looking for jobs or who are let's say uh, on the verge of getting some sort of power in corporates there is a very very clear line in people that oh i am okay with less money but i am not okay with less respect so you can i need good sort of so that is status driven when you demand respect more than wealth uh while on in the western world i mean my assumption says that people are maybe more focused towards their own wealth and not really looking at the neighbors uh, wallet and saying i need to get more than that so how is the society out there i mean did you experience any sort of wealth driven or status driven societies were you like uh, definitely required to wear some good brands when you went outside or is it like you do what you want to how is it like that i think that's a very very broad question i'll start with what you mentioned at the last as to what you were supposed to wear uh it's completely your choice like i have seen people who are like filthy rich and they would come to class wearing the same sweatshirt every single day there are people who would dress up as they're going to a party they come to class like that i personally i had bought four sweatshirts i would wear them alternatively because i did not want to waste time thinking what to wear so it's completely up to you whether you want to dress up you don't want to dress up i think what you are it's very important like you said to spend time with yourself and figure out who you are because once you do that you make friends with people who are as like minded as you right so that becomes very easy to connect as well i'm not saying that well dressed people will not be friends with less dressed people they will be but at the end of it if you are really the person who does not want to get dressed and who wants to like you know be in the library or spend time talking to other people uh, about real things then if that is really what you want and you do that you will ultimately connect with people who are you know also in the same line so that just boils down to be who you are and nobody will judge you very uh, prominent example of that is i think a lot of people think that you know when you're going international for international education or you're studying abroad you need to get into that party culture or you know you need to drink when you are out there with your friends in a club and you need to get involved in all those sort of things right in my entire one and a half year i did not drink at all and initially people would ask that why don't you drink like have a like have a sip or something have one 
drink but i think ultimately everyone was very accepting there was no pressure and i enjoyed as much as they did i made friends uh, and they were fine with the fact that i'm not drinking or i'm drinking water or i'm drinking juice so just be true to yourself figure out what you want to do and people will accept that ultimately and be friends with you so that is that uh and i think you talked about if people are wealth driven or status driven uh what i felt was uh, there's a very um, diverse mix of people some people uh, they are working hard because they want money or because they want to get that elite position like they want to get both some people are working hard because you know from the very uh, uh upbringing that they've had they are just used to working hard and they enjoy the process and some people i think they just like to work hard and they want money as well so they are in a particular direction so i think there are all sorts of people for me personally i feel uh both of them are moderately important but i think if you put extreme importance to those end products of wealth and fame you are like you will not be able to sustain your journey towards that like if you're just working for that year end bonus or the month end salary you will not enjoy your entire month or your entire year you will just be working for that one day that you get that extra money so that is i i don't enjoy that so i don't place too high importance to that i place an importance to what i'm enjoying on a daily basis and that's what i do so everyone has their own perspectives their own um, fundamentals as they as to what they want to do so yeah i think and people are people there are quite clear in what they want i felt like they don't get easily influenced by what others are doing and that is something i was really impressed by that uh and that also gave me the will power of you know saying no when someone offered me or suggested me to have a drink i was like if a person can stick to what they are fundamentally why do i need to change myself to you know adjust to something i can adjust without conforming to the society's uh, standards right so i think you just everything boils down to the fact that you be you and things will fall into place and be easy people are very accepting so right yeah that's that that's my fundamentally solves a lot of queries because uh, this this sort of pressure uh, that people or students particularly face uh, if you think in in yourself there is no such pressure it's all in your brain right yeah and i also thought that you know being and attending oxford as a university i would you know on a daily basis have to dress up very well i had shopped a lot before going there like okay. i had really shopped a lot and i did not end up using most of it because i was in sweatshirt working with my friends and it was all fine and comfortable it was fun it was not bad like i was not underdressed but i didn't have to wear whatever extra stuff i had bought right it was as in terms of dressing it was as good as i was in my undergrad there was no difference as such you can be a normal person and live a normal life right but so you so you know when when you really talked about this point of uh you would not want to be a person who uh, just works for that year and bonus and really be upset for the rest of the month by slogging or whatever be uh, not satisfied by how you are really slogging yourself i think that really reflects a a, a sort of 
statement that is made by most of these um, speakers or uh, let's say life coach experts who really i mean also yogis they talk a lot about life's purpose and if your life's purpose is let's say money then you'll be talking about the years and bonus which will ultimately not get you get you satisfied while yeah i mean you're happy once a year how right. about that exactly so that is why i think you really reflect on how it's important it is to have that purpose uh, really yeah. defined for you so that i mean money can really flow in and in addition to that i think not given to peer pressure like in this age of instagram and all that social media people tend to get influenced a lot Right. i think it's very important to have a strong will power and not fall into peer pressure so that's something i feel is very important right and i think that's a very important message to all the students plus all the parents all the uncles aunties that a student who has been into dps hakepuram then srcc then oxford if that But, student can refrain peer pressure then you should not be thinking yeah. why your child would get spoiled into any of these schools it's really about the fundamental values or the trust you imbibe in your child right i mean you probably you get it from parents have a major role to play in that like i feel my mom has really helped me build this you know strong sense of not falling into peer pressure like right. start from school i've been uh, taught not just taught like initially like i used to hate doing it but my mom would not send me to parties like especially to those parties in which the entire school was going Mm-hmm. you know to help me build that thing that it's okay to miss out on things which everyone is doing yeah. so now i think it was now looking back i feel it was so helpful like even when in my class of 70 people everyone was drinking i was completely comfortable having water so right. i can just start building that from the start and ultimately it will be fine right definitely no when you when you talk about this experience of your mom stopping yourself from going to parties while in school uh so just to get a closer sense how was your experience first standard i mean you might definitely be offended of it right i mean you might be upset for a while you understand the importance totally, of it yeah. right now right yeah. i was very angry like yeah i like why are you doing this like my entire school is going why should i be like a social outcast not attending that event and she would just reason that no if you are 11th 12th you will not go there i was like it's just one day how does one day make a difference right but i think yeah it just turned out sure well. i'll talk a bit more about the oxford fame in one sense so you've been there you've been through all these experiences of being closer to yourself and taking decisions just based on your knowledge and your instincts so uh when you talk about this particular tag or feather of oxford on your hat now uh this really comes on with a lot of fame with you i mean people no doubt you might be very humble and all but then people look towards you as someone create out there up there so do you think there is i mean you have ever fallen prey into the journey of getting more fame uh let's say or experienced more fame and how are you really handling it right now i have never fallen prey to any sort of fame like i've seen like i've always seen people who are much more qualified who are much more smarter than me so i always look up to them so and yeah. i I don't think I don't internalize any sort of fame that I may have experienced. So it's been like 
that way it's been normal there is i feel internally i feel some pressure uh, in the fact that i have to work hard enough to justify that i am from oxford like i wouldn't want someone to think that she is not that smart how is she from oxford so that way i feel like i need to sometimes work double hard to justify that but i don't think i've like seen any sort of fame right no i agree think that you have stated till now up to this point there has been a reiteration of hard work hard work hard work hard work mm-hmm. so i think that's very very important uh, i mean there are there are a lot of people that i have seen or interacted with particularly who who really think that they have achieved it all or they are the smartest person in the room or i think that that sort of uh, humility is very important when you say that uh just like you mentioned that there are always people smarter than you yeah. and until the point you keep realizing that one keeps growing otherwise uh the journey just goes down gradually yeah. and like you mentioned hard work hard work like i feel i always put in hard work and there are some people who are just naturally smart right so you cannot say that you have achieved it all when there are people who are like double the like who have double the smartness as you have and they don't work hard they just have it naturally within them mm-hmm. so that just makes you think that okay i can if i can achieve it by hard work be it that way because right. not that smart so at least work hard for that like compensate for that yeah well. yeah wow that's that's great um let's talk about little about this mode of your self realization wherein you probably i have a sense that when it comes to a self realization journey when you're trying to understand yourself there's a lot of contemplation done with your own self uh which probably at times leads to a lot of overthinking and mm-hmm. a lot of sort of demotivation and all that stuff uh and also eventually stress so how do you keep up with your mental health consciously does it like happen naturally or do you consciously take care of your mental health by let's say yoga practicing spirituality or some sort of exercises any sort of hacks that you want to give out on not stressing out yeah so i am quite an overthinker like i think a lot i plan too much in uh, advance so i think stress does come to me and i think workout does help like i'm not a regular exercise person but i would definitely suggest like 20 minutes a day really helps like whenever you get time just jump onto it so i've recently downloaded this high intensity interval training app to like you know give me that 20 minute break and i think music also really helps me like just get out of that overthinking world and just enjoy what's going on so music is something that i really enjoy like i mentioned i really like to dance so you know right. when i'm listening to music that automatically de-stresses me right right so that's been like your go to thing since your beginning yeah uh, i mean that's why people say that you need to have one extra curricular so that you know there is one world outside of your professional career world where you can actually de-stress exactly. so that way it's very important uh okay so sort of deep diving into a bit into the financial world right now you've been into oxford and all uh did you by any chance get any sort of advices or did you really plan any investments while you were in college let's say undergrad or even postgrad uh were you involved in any sort of a, uh, investment because right now there is a vibe where in people of our age are really looking forward to invest in some sense 
maybe shares funds whatever uh, were you an active investor in any in any sense in that phase um i wasn't an active investor but because i was developing an interest in finance i did open a dmat account and started to you know invest small amounts right. but i wouldn't call it active investing because it was like not with like proper comprehensive research it was just like by reading a news uh, of a particular company or right. just by general how the macroeconomics were doing so i would just invest in one or two companies in like once in three or four months just to understand how things work uh, in that area right. so that was that so i didn't have any active investments when did it uh, all start my... when, did you, when did you make your first investment uh dmat i had opened in first year so the moment i had opened undergrad. i wanted to do something yes undergrad first year oh okay i think it's you can do it when you uh, turn 18 so it right. was uh, a few months after that but what i sense is that right now first years even like when i was into my first year of college there was no mm-hmm. such sensibility into the investment world so were your parents uh, helping you out or was it again your own research and that got oh, you no. uh, so you know in first year there were a lot of societies uh, in srcc and all these societies conduct events when they are uh, uh reaching out to the freshers or the first years and then they talk about uh, what the society is about what do they do uh, what's the center or the focus of their particular area in which uh, they'll be working so you know picking up from those talking to seniors gave me a sense of that okay maybe i can try this dmat thing and see what it is so it was just through talking to seniors and uh, through societies that i was uh, interacting with right so uh, what would you let's say recommend a 19 18 year old entering to college right now do they actually start researching and investing like when you started or is there anything that probably you could have done differently if you were to be sent 5 years back in your life in mm-hmm. the areas of investing per se see investing uh, i wouldn't like uh, say that okay immediately start investing when you enter college mm-hmm. rather i would say uh, try to explore new things so that is why i started and opened my dmat because i wanted to try and see what it was because it was completely new to me so i would say when you enter college just try to do new things like i entered i tried dmat a few other things but then ultimately i came back to being who i was into the academics right don't be who you were in school like try to push yourself into new areas and that will bring out something else when you exit college so i would just say experiment and try new things but maintain a balance with your academics as well because i wouldn't say completely lose focus there that's also equally important because ultimately that's what got me oxford okay. so maintain a balance see what's more important to you and prioritize make a list of priority things that you want to do in a particular day in a particular month or you know for that particular year so have that list uh talk to people see what you like what you dislike and then decide for yourself right right uh there is a very sought after question now you have spoken uh about academics in a in a very sort of detailed manner and it's very helpful but there are again 
questions that are pertaining to the lifestyle there in particular so i'll try and be a bit more precise so mm-hmm. when you talk about let's say your uh, weekends while you were in oxford what were like your lifestyle activities and uh, what is it that you really looked forward to in a weekend if mm-hmm. there was anything uh, any sort of light you want to shed on that yeah definitely i think weekends were quite interesting uh, so there are different phases of your university life and that would define your weekends so some uh, times you would have uh, assignments with deadlines on monday or tuesday that weekend was ruined for you but uh, otherwise i think there were so many activities to do on the weekend like usually people on friday night or saturday they would go out uh, do clubbing and other than that also like every university has so many activities that one would do people would go rowing at 4 am in the morning in that wow. chilly weather i had joined dance and i had joined boxing boxing was completely new to me and it was a good one and a half hour physical exercise after which i used to go with the friends so after which you were completely tired and binge eat on a subway uh-huh. so there are multiple activities to keep you busy on the weekend uh so what oxford also has is uh, there there's a college system so you're a part of a particular college and that college uh, would have people from all different courses so you would interact not with your uh, course student but with other students so that would open up a completely different uh, new network to you uh, you can do like my college used to have activities like treasure hunt uh, wine tasting events then formal dinners were there so you would sit on those long tables and have like a proper uh, three or four course meal so there are a lot of activities for the weekend sure. and it used to be like full packed got it sounds amazing but okay so tell me one thing uh, while you shed light on all these lifestyles and amazing things out there uh, there are a lot of people who try for oxford but fail to get there so do you think there is uh, i mean there is a better world even elsewhere other than oxford i mean oxford should not be yeah. like the last choice because it has limited seats for all it takes uh, so what do you recommend to really look at uh, let's say a study abroad goal for a student who is aspiring for oxford but let's say fails to get into one it's do you yeah. think it's okay and or should the person try again and again no no i think it's definitely okay like uh the things that i'm talking about for oxford they apply to most other universities like for example rowing is not just an oxford thing there used to be like inter college rowing events so even lse is there ucl is there imperial is there so every university has different activities they have networking events they have activities where you can interact with uh, people from different courses uh and especially like oxford is not in london so you would miss out on a lot of social events whereas colleges like lse and ucl they would have inter colleges college events okay. so i think every college has its pros and cons and the fun part is there in every university that you plan to go to whether it be in london outside london or whichever university right so one should definitely not be disheartened by the university status if you fail yeah. to get to the likes of yeah. oxford right yeah and like at the end of it also what you get out of a particular university is more important than your brand if i go to oxford and if i fail at my courses the brand will not help me much 
but if i go to say lse and i am in top 5% that will really say a lot about me so i think your personal achievement from what you've gotten and your personal like you know what you absorb out of it out of it is also very important right and that probably also applies to other colleges as well even if you don't get into the top 50 of the yeah, world yeah. Mm-hmm. uh it's more about your personal mehnat that really yeah. brings you to where you get right yeah okay so do you do you want to i don't know if you remember about it. it's been a while but do you remember anything about your sops journey when you were get trying to get into oxford uh so there are people who get their sops written drafted out by agencies which i mean we yeah. agree that it's a big no no you should never do that yeah. but what are the quick hacks if you think you have any that could highlight your sop for a university like oxford Mm-hmm. anything that you want to share uh, so i'll uh, talk about both these points about getting it written from somewhere somewhere else and writing it yourself and how to write it so i had hired a consultant uh, because i had no idea how to go about applying and what to do so i thought better to have someone who can you know talk me through every uh, stage of the process right. uh, so what ended up happening was that consultant uh, i would refrain from naming them mm-hmm. uh so they were very adamant on me following what they thought was correct so they said don't apply to oxford because they wanted uh their uh, so they wanted my chance of getting accepted into a university to be higher mm-hmm. uh, regardless of which university it is and so they said uh, be safe don't apply to oxford mm-hmm. and i was not quite comfortable with that but nonetheless i thought okay i can just continue to hear what they say and then follow what i think is correct then right. came the sop part and uh, they told me uh, in a list write down what have you done like your cv basically in a pointer format and uh, what are projects you've done so that they could create my sop they created my sop and it was very i felt it was just cv in a uh, essay format essay format right. which i was not comfortable with because clearly like my cv is visible to the adcom and they can right. like they can read it in a right. essay way as well so it was just very repetitive uh so i think i did not use any of that so i made my own sop for that uh i reached out to a lot of people on linkedin who had gotten admits spoke so to them about the alumni as well yeah not just oxford alumni alumni of a lot of universities about what they had done in their sops i spoke to my professors and try to you know get a sense of what to actually write in an sop so the structure is basically uh, for me it was why do i like economics uh, why do i want to do economics financial economics at oxford and what do i aspire to do after i have completed this course so this was a three uh, stage structure that i followed then this was one good point that i uh, could take away from the conversations that i had second was uh, uh, it was not a point suggested to me by an alumni but my professor suggested it so it was quite interesting for me to actually follow this he said while you're explaining why you like economics try to use a concept of economics uh while explaining why you like it so for example okay <laughs> uh, so use a concept 
in a normal language to explain your viewpoint right, right that shows that you understand the concept and you so much like and you like it so much that you can you know apply it on a normal conversation as well right right, right. so that is something i did as well and i yeah i think these conversations with professors and alumni were quite helpful and then my sop was nowhere close to what my cv was my cv was a separate item and my sop was a separate item right i think that's how it should be you're giving the adcom two different pieces of information about yourself and that is what it intends to do you're telling them that okay on paper these are the achievements but otherwise as a person why i want to do this and what i want to do after this is this that's very interesting and okay so very quickly let's say for the viewers if you have to point out this particular point that you said reaching out to the alumni uh, mm-hmm. i see that a lot of students really face difficulties or their mental blockers in reaching out to these alumni so what is the ideal way to do it did you also use linkedin back then to really yeah, yeah. the alumni i okay. used linkedin uh so i use linkedin i would just randomly search a university and see who all uh, were there especially indians mm-hmm. uh i think my response rate was quite high uh, from people who were like from delhi from same school or from my college right. so uh, for them i would specifically write in the message that okay i am from srcc or i am from delhi mm-hmm. or like something like that and i you know want to apply to this universities and would be good to have a quick 10 15 minute chat if you have the time so i prepared a standard message which i could you know in one or two sentences personalize for everyone and send it to them so right. that way a short and a semi personalized message was quite effective in getting the responses from people right and it was usually positive like people were ready to help you out mostly Mm, yeah i mean 50 50 some people did not reply some people did that's that's great so you still in touch with those people like who were sort of yeah yeah a lot of them are friends now that's great so it's been good yeah okay so uh, you have right now uh, studied there come back to india have certain experiences in the professional space uh so next i would like you to probably name those professional experiences that you have had in those institutions those companies uh and let's say what is the next big project or the dream of going down the line what is next aligned for you uh, in the professional space yeah uh so post oxford i did an internship in london so that was a 3 months stint at city group in london it was uh, on the trading desk so that was completely different from what i am currently doing at that time i felt like as a starter it was a very very niche position that i had entered into so i wanted something broad so that it could open more options for me in the professional space because i was not 100% sure that i want to be so specialized just straight out of university so then i started with jp morgan's investment banking division in mumbai uh so investment banking is about working on uh mergers and acquisition projects for companies so jp morgan usually used to assist these companies and carry out these m&a activities and as analyst you get to do a lot of uh pitch book preparation valuation modeling and a lot of the financial uh practical applications that you know you touch upon at university you get to do them in real life mm-hmm. then uh so that was 
that one year period for me at jp morgan really brushed up my financial skills uh like in a real world aspect uh then post that currently i am in a fund so i'm working at a hedge fund it's a mid cap long only focused fund in mumbai and what it does is so it invests in public equities and normally these kind of funds look for investment bankers because they already are uh, very well equipped and versed with the financial modeling and valuation aspects of the work yeah. now what you're doing in investing is that you're understanding businesses trying to understand if a particular business is financially and uh, in uh, operationally strong enough to invest in it for a long for a longer term or not so this is what we are doing like i am doing currently i'm working as an investment analyst at the fund and uh trying to get an experience into the investing area as well uh going forward i think for the timing i would continue to be in this investing area only because it's such a vast area there's a lot to learn like i have four five sectors aligned to me and all these sectors have different aspects and key metrics and uh interpretations and understandings for like separately for each of them so there's a lot of time that goes into you know understanding the trends trying to uh, predict what will happen as a consequence of a particular event how a particular financial element will uh, align with an operational element so that takes a lot of time for you to uh, get fully versed with it so that's my next one or two year plan like i'm going to continue with it plus uh, i've given two levels of cfa as well so that my third level is also in line so i'll be focusing on that as well right no but so you say you are a prominently a person who plans way ahead of time right i mean in yeah. one sense so i would want a little more insight into the 10 year plan rather than the just next two year plan like what is your next dream or vision of your own life uh so see it's right now quite confusing like i'm still in the process of working on it right. um so investing is a really good area that i would want to see myself into but at the same time it's a very difficult area to sustain yourself in like once you are ahead of a particular level one bad idea that does not give you a particular return can you know kick you out of the industry basically right so it's very so, risky in that sense mm, risky plus there's a lot of effort that you need to put in so right now i'm trying to you know like my plan is to spend one or two years working in the industry trying to talk to more people as to what they do going forward and then plan accordingly like it's too early to plan like if i start you know pinpointing that i want to do this 10 years down the line it will be too restrictive and could be too risky right now to right. plan so much ahead got it got it that makes sense um uh, let's say if you if we if we have to particularly talk about this current situation that we are going through this covid mm-hmm. situation okay no sorry so before that do when you talk about now you are you are in india and plus your future plans are aligned here itself you have no plans to go back abroad right i wouldn't say no like if i get an opportunity i would definitely consider it right right longer okay. i feel india is a good option like all the facilities you have in india you cannot get there tell me more about that 
I mean, what comparison is that if you want to share these? I mean, just general day-to-day life. So, life is more relaxed here in some sense. Yeah, I mean, I think you get to spend more time on your work. Like, having spent one and a half years there, I can now say I'm completely independent to do anything that I need to do. But, like, just very basic facilities of, you know, house help, a car, just ordering food online, ordering groceries online. The level of comfort is much more here. But I think in the initial years of my career, if I get an opportunity to go out, I would definitely wouldn't mind flogging. But gradually, you would want to settle back here. Yeah. Roots, right? Yeah. Got it. Okay, so uh, talking about COVID in particular, uh, mm-hmm. do you, I mean, you uh, coming from all that background would set, certainly have developed some kind of vision towards the situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is your sense of, let's say the next six months or one year uh, because of COVID, because of, let's say, industries pertaining to you, the financial industries or the job industry, uh, any sort of vision that you have see foreseen on that? Uh, so I think it's very different from country to country. If we talk specifically about India, I think the recovery will take a much more longer time than six months. Like I don't see things fully recovered in the next six months because right now we're I think probably going to the peak levels so that is there I think on the recruitment end it's very difficult because like people from even I am Lucknow Calcutta I see their posts as well on LinkedIn who've who've written like that their offers have been revoked like companies are cutting down on costs they're laying off people they're trying to do everything work from home so that the admin costs are cut. So all that is going to remain and things will be difficult for like probably the next one year is what I think. But I think gradually, I mean, it's not a V-shaped recovery like we had in 2008 when, you know, suddenly things were fine and things started to pick up. This is much more prolonged. And I think things will take time to recover, but ultimately I feel they have to. Right. So that is there i think people who are like in first year and second year of college or who are going to enter college it's nothing to worry about for them mm-hmm. like they can focus on academics and extracurriculars because they have one or two years before they start applying for jobs it's right. very difficult for people who are you know just graduating or just completing their mbas masters mm-hmm. so it's quite challenging for them to uh, be in the situation plus because you can't even network and go out and meet people everything is over zoom and on call which now people have gotten accustomed to but it might not be as effective as it would be earlier okay, okay. so do you do you recommend that people who are let's say currently in the pursuit of jobs and all or probably who have unfortunately lost their jobs uh, should they continue to invest more time in their personal skill development while they're sitting at home and uh, really not to worry about the next six months of entering into a job market, just plainly focus on them, themselves uh, if they I have think any option. It's not that they should completely give up, give up on finding a job. They should like continue working on networking, talking to people and finding a job. But at right. the same time, when they're interviewing, they might have to justify what they did in that six month or one year period. So you need to have something to say that, okay, I did this. Uh, I worked on this aspect of my skill set. I upgraded this and I did this. So that gap will have to be filled in some way, but don't just 
uh, think that okay, I can do this course and then completely forget about my job. Both of them have to be given a good amount of time. Yeah. Got it. Got it. So, uh, talking from the finance perspective, I mean, uh, not that I am looking for uh, a sort of on-record advice or on-record statement, but just as a sense of your better understanding of the financial world. Let's say in India, uh, right now the markets are really going up in some sense, uh, but the realities is not sort of sinking in with the prices going up, shares going up. Do you think it's sort of again a horse without body, wherein you were just waiting for it to look at the wider picture and then discover that oh shit, it had no legs. I mean, it's a question that actually hasn't been able to get a good answer yet, but. it's definitely not a reflection of what the economy is going through right. i think a very uh, common belief is that people have stopped spending on discretionary items mm-hmm. and they're uh, using that money to buy the stocks and shares like if you see uh, the number of accounts which have been opened at zerodha during this pandemic the number has been the highest since it is it has ever been right so right. that increased number of buying is probably one of the factors which is driving the share prices up and not because the economy is in some way of recovering so is this sort of sustainable in if it goes on like this sustenance of a share price also depends on how a company copes up uh, with the crisis like a lot of companies now are shutting down mm-hmm. and these are probably not the companies which are listed on the stock exchange but a lot of the companies that are listed even though they might not shut down they might lose out on a lot of customers and that's where i think you need to see whether a company is sustainable enough to go after this pandemic like if a company has a lot of exposure of airlines mm-hmm. and you're investing there thinking that okay travel industry will at some point recover Yeah. there might be some gap there in the fact that one or two airlines might just might just completely shut down and that will to some extent affect that particular company's revenue even if that company will not go bankrupt its revenue base will come down so i think there are a lot of factors to consider and you cannot pinpoint one factor or one metric that you can track to understand whether a company or its share price will go up or down Absolutely. it's all based on what you think and ultimately you can just wait and watch what happens okay so let's let's quickly towards the ending draw a comparison between the education system out there and in india what do you think uh, in a very precise manner could change here for the betterment of the student uh, world or do you think this new education policy is a step towards the betterment uh what's your take on that um i think there can be a lot of improvement done i think a lot of people say that the education system is very academic it's very focused on rote learning here mm-hmm. but that's not all bad i think it gives you the patience to sit and you know study and put in that effort so it builds a tertiary skill as well so you can't just discredit it and say that it's completely bad i would say additionally it would be good to have areas where we can apply what we are studying because just straight out of university we have no idea as to what a professional life will entail like if i talk about my experience at oxford 
a lot of students there were very professionally polished because they had already done internships their colleges uh, had a compulsory internship program that they had to do so that just i think makes you ready for the actual world much in advance so that is one area that i think indian education could incorporate where you make a student do an internship have an internship within your course or something like that uh, about the new education policy well i think again pros and cons are still there but i really like it in terms of its flexibility uh, in terms of choosing your courses at such an early stage of class 9th and 10th and also the fact that they are introducing coding now we don't know how the implementation of this coding learning will take place like it could happen that you know you're doing html on paper which will just defeat the purpose because we might not have the infrastructure so the implementation is still to be seen but i think it's a good step to start off with correct okay so uh, the final two questions uh, some sort of very actionable advices from your side to the mm-hmm. students uh, particularly any sort of advices for the 12th is uh, going forward i mean you mentioned a lot but any sort of uh, areas in which they should really invest their time in and same in advices for undergrad students probably you can differentiate and tell for both of these categories uh, so i think for 12th uh, students i would say uh number one just focus a lot on ncrt because what ends up happening is that there are so many external sources as well students tend to divert their focus on a lot of other books which like makes them quite confused so i would say focus on ncrt a lot after you've done like your th- second or third revision and you think you still have time maybe pick up an rd sharma and practice or maybe pick up a subhash dev for business studies and practice but ncrt is the go to material and even like if you still want to do something extra i think uh, practice papers is something that i did and that was really helpful for me like i made sure i did 20 mocks for every subject before actually sitting for the board exams and making sure uh, to go through all the incorrect answers that i have done so just corrections of your mistakes was quite helpful and focusing on ncrt right so just for the record sorry for interrupting you scored about 98.3% if i am not wrong yeah best of 4 so best of 5 was 97.6 so i think that advice really is actionable so people i hope so sorry continue you yeah. know uh so undergrad i think uh in terms of academics it uh, varies a lot from college to college your professor uh, might give you notes you might have university notes you might have guides mm-hmm. it's very different from one subject to the other one college to the other so i would say it would be best to talk to your seniors who've done well or your professors as to what they think would be the best approach to go about a particular subject or like just uh, the experience as a whole like generally if i have to talk about it i would say uh, would be good to uh, have a good idea at the start as to how much time you want to spend in academics and how much time you want to spend in extracurriculars because avoiding either can be quite costly for you like i avoided extracurriculars completely and now i am kind of you know working up on it so try to do both of it and 
try to balance it out because at the end like in your professional life also you have to balance a lot of things so that habit kind of develops at university only so yeah that would be my very you value uh, okay so uh, you saloni like you really come out to be a very knowledgeable person and a very uh, you like you have insights on a many many things so uh, if i ask you what is your knowledge source or what is your go to thing every night is it like a apple news app or is it like a newspaper or what's your resource or your source for all these knowledge that you really try to imbibe in yourself um well i think one thing i usually do is like for example uh, any class that i would attend in college or like these days if i'm attending a meeting anything that i come up with which is unfamiliar to me i just write down that at the back of my register and at the end of the day i just google and read about it there are so many articles on different things so many pdfs uh that is one then you are continuously asking a lot sort of in that curious space asking a lot of questions probably to yourself and then yeah this- yeah i mean uh asking questions to others also really helps because once you've done your own research about what a particular uh concept is or what what a particular uh event uh, actually means talking to others also helps you get what their viewpoint is so that really helps you you know build your understanding to that area so i think both research and talking to people would be a good idea and just download one news uh app on your phone which keeps you giving which keeps giving you notifications about what's happening right 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 yeah okay so the last one my personal favorite uh any book recommendations if you really read a lot i mean anything that you would want to suggest uh it could be philosophy or it could be not a textbook i didn't give a fiction book recommendation i actually came up with uh, not came up like found this uh, really good book in finance very recently mm-hmm. and it was very helpful for me like it's uh Ashwath Damodaran's uh finance book mm-hmm. you find its videos on youtube as well and it was so helpful in you know just helping me strengthen my fundamentals in finance like i have done such advanced level of finance at college now that it was just good to refresh my fundamentals so right. that is one book or you know a session of videos videos which you can find on youtube which i found really helpful after that i think i recently joined a book club so maybe try to see any book clubs that you find on facebook or instagram and be a part of it like whenever you have time you can take one of the books that they have suggested and start reading up on it